Hey everyone, welcome to the Prince of Peace podcast, where our aim is to help you live and love like Jesus. I'm Lauren Hlaud, one of the pastors of Prince of Peace. We're glad that you're here and we hope you enjoy. Grace, peace, and joy be unto you from God the Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. It was an emotionally difficult week being at Camp Moana this last week. Part of the challenge is highlighted so well by the dichotomy we paint between Martha and Mary in the passage for today. Mary in rapt devotion and Martha working away, worried about the details All of us that were there as volunteers this week from Prince of Peace found ourselves bouncing back and forth between these two points. At times, just trying to soak in the last moments of camp, being there for this final season. This next week will be the final week ever of campers being at Camp Moana. And then we were also then being pulled back into the frustration over the details of camp that were fraying at the edges as things draw to a close there. As we celebrate our seniors this weekend, I think of what I often see in our senior members that transition between the much greater involvement in the Martha details of the church to a more Mary-like presence in the congregation and the bouncing back and forth that happens therein. And there's always the reality that we need many Marthas in the church doing things or nothing will get done. Which leads me to the question that many have pondered over the years that we put too much emphasis on this dichotomy. Is it in fact a false dichotomy? Could there be a more helpful lens through which we might see Mary and Martha in this passage And does Martha just get a bad rap is another question that's often asked in the way that she lives out her faithfulness to the way of Jesus. A number of years ago, I did a writing exercise exploring this, and I thought that I would share it with you today, and it hinges upon this biblical image of Martha and the details that we find out about her in Scripture. In fact, she only appears in two of the Gospels. In Luke, it's the story that we read for today. And in John, it's the story of her brother Lazarus being raised from the dead and the subsequent meal then that Martha serves and as Mary washes his feet. This is the story that begins with the confrontation between Martha and Jesus. Martha says to Jesus, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. And Jesus tells her, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me will live even though they die. And then he asks her that oh-so-important question, do you believe this? And she says, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one coming into the world. And it is this exchange then that becomes the hinge that leads to the raising of Lazarus and the subsequent feast that follows. In both accounts, in Luke and in John, it's Mary who's right there at Jesus' feet, and it's Martha who is serving. 
But in the meal in John, there is no complaint from Martha about serving. She's serving out of thanksgiving for her brother who has risen from the grave. I wonder about the connection between these two different accounts of Martha in the Gospels. It's always dangerous to consider blending two different Gospel accounts because the Gospels were clearly written by different authors to different audiences, and they're not written by the writers with the intent of becoming chapters in a singular book. But with those disclaimers, I embarked on this writing exercise. Because while you can argue that this is the same meal being lifted up in both Gospels, it seems to me that if these were the kinds of close friends that John seems to go to great lengths to describe as Jesus wept over the the death of Lazarus, it seems to me that they probably shared many meals together as friends before that fateful night described in John's Gospel. So as we read the account of Jesus and the sisters in Luke, if I were going to place it in a single story of Martha's life, I would include this Lucan encounter as the first meal between these new friends. And it would go something like this. Mary, having encountered Jesus and now mesmerized by his teaching, brings him home with her. Her older sister Martha, always the harder worker, the one who takes care of all of the details, is more than a little frustrated that her free-spirited sister has brought home yet another guest only to leave Martha taking care of all of the details. And this, of course, leads Martha to just burst out with her frustration. From what she can hear over the noise of her cleaning, this teacher Jesus seems to be a pretty smart fellow. Certainly he can help her to help her sister see how she misplaces her priorities and isn't attending to the important housework at hand. But instead, this new guest, Jesus, turns the table and points out how Martha missed the point. And the scene ends with Martha feeling a little burned and annoyed with the nerve of this teacher telling her what to do. The story continues with two sisters, and now their brother Lazarus as well, becoming more and more attached to Jesus. Martha's still more than a bit resentful of the fact that Jesus seems to be so carefree with all of the details, yet she can't help but be amazed at his healing power and his ability to illumine the mystery of the love of God and the love that he shares with others. But while Martha is intrigued by all of this, she refuses to completely throw herself into it in the way that so many of his disciples and her brother and her sister did. It might work for them to focus so much of themselves into this nebulous kingdom of God that Jesus is proclaiming, but the fact of the matter is, for Martha, it's just not very practical. The healing and the helping that they do certainly is nice, but you add to it all the time for worship and prayer, teaching and learning. Who has time for all of this? Certainly not Martha. She hasn't worked this hard to get where she is now just to let things slip. She can go along for the ride, but she's going to keep her priorities straight. But something keeps her from walking away completely. And it's more than just her brother and her sister. It's more than the way that Jesus catches her with a knowing look when she's feeling both most resistant and most vulnerable. There's something more that she sees in the eyes 
of her sister and Peter and some of the others, but especially in Jesus. She senses that they've opened themselves up to some greater reality that both intrigues and terrifies her at the same time. So she stays on the fringes in her comfort zone, where she knows that she maintains a less than fulfilling but a very safe and comfortable existence. But now the climax of the story comes. Lazarus is sick, and both sisters know exactly what to do. They must get in touch with Jesus as soon as possible. Their friend, whom they've served for so long with their devotion, will certainly come as soon as possible to save their brother. But days pass. Lazarus dies. And there's no sign of Jesus, and the sisters are driven to greatest despair. But inside, Martha is absolutely seething. While she loves Jesus, she's always known that he was too carefree with his time. He didn't prioritize. He was so wrapped up in the big picture of sharing his vision of the kingdom of God that he forgets about those closest to him. And now Martha finds herself hating him for it. Her brother has died because Jesus wasn't quick enough to save him. So Jesus finally arrives, and Martha cannot contain herself. She runs out to confront him, but as she looks into his eyes and hears him begin to speak, she knows that she cannot hate him. She knows in that terrible moment that the power of his love and his way of life is stronger than the emptiness that she's terrified will consume her. It's not only the emptiness of losing her brother, but the emptiness of her life that she's constantly trying to fill with her own self-worth and justified existence. It is this all-consuming emptiness that's now exposed by the raw wound of Lazarus' death. But as she lays there sobbing on the ground and looks into Jesus' luminous eyes, she sees that he is bringing something into this world that's bigger than her brother's death. It's bigger than her own death. And then certainly bigger than the emptiness that she's feeling in her life. And in the midst of all of these emotions swirling around inside, Jesus lays the climactic question on her, do you believe? And seemingly out of nowhere, a calm that she has never known overcomes her. She realizes in the midst of crisis, when everything seems to have fallen apart, that there is more than a teacher standing before her. There's a foundation for her life that has always been a solid ground. And with a wild abandon of all of the control she has attempted to keep over her life, she says, Yes, Lord, I do believe that you are the Messiah, the one coming into the world. And in that moment, life shifts for Martha. She now sees before her a new world, this world and this life that Jesus had been telling her about for so long. Martha never saw it as she did in that moment. This life that was already hers, but she had not yet been ready to claim it until now. 
a life where she was no longer in bondage to her expectations and demands of herself, but where she was free to live for love's sake. The death of her brother helped her to see clearly the insignificance and temporary nature of all that had consumed her, and she now saw the ultimate nature of love and service to which Jesus was calling them all in the service of God. From then on, the rest of the day was a surreal mix of experiences. For everyone else, the climax of the day was seeing Lazarus walking from the grave, but Martha had already seen it happen as she proclaimed Jesus as Lord of the living and the dead. So finally, we see Martha in the kitchen once again, right back where the story began, and Mary's at it again there at Jesus' feet, even though all 12 of the disciples and seemingly half of the town has gathered for this great feast. But this time, there is no blow-up from Martha. She hardly notices that everything isn't quite as perfect as she'd always told herself that it needed to be. No, this time. The only exchange between Martha and Jesus is a momentary meeting of the eyes, where Jesus now sees the reflection of peace in the kingdom that he has come to proclaim. And Martha knows what Jesus sees as he smiles and he winks. Like that, the moment's over as Jesus turns to teach the disciples once again. But for Martha, it is a moment that she will carry with her through the coming days and years. She now lives her life with a new awareness, a new fulfillment, and a singular purpose of serving the reign of God. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to the Prince of Peace podcast. I hope that today's message has brought comfort and inspiration to your life. Have a great rest of the week.